Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Turning your Bibles, your phones, however you want to do it. It's going to be hard for me to use my Bible today. Uh, my name's Patrick. Sorry, some of you wouldn't know me. They tell us to introduce each who we are. My name's Patrick, so uh, I've been here for almost 20 years now, and um, I led the music here probably for 18 years, I would say, maybe. Um, I've been married for going on 21 years to my wife, Leah. Leah, wave your hand there. So um, I'm not originally from here. I'm originally from Xenia, Ohio. My wife's originally from here, and so... Uh, the Lord led us here after one year of marriage. The Lord led us here to uh, uh, to make this our home, and it's been that ever since. So um, today, Matthew twenty eight nineteen through twenty. This is very. I don't know about you. There's sometimes I get. I wouldn't say I get tired. Once I get the message, I get tired of hearing it. Circles are better than rows. But when you say it enough, people finally get it, and we become a church. Really, we've become a church that lives out the fact of meeting in small groups is more important than you sitting in these rows. So today my talk will be, will involve a face-to-face encounter. It will talk about that. And uh, they, they want us, as we publicly speak up here, to share why we do what we do. And uh, so I'll explain some of that in my message, hopefully, if I can remember uh, but Matthew 28, 19 to 20, so this is, should be a familiar uh, verse of Scripture if you've attended church here anytime uh, or been saved anytime, even if you haven't attended a church. It's a popular Scripture. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. That first line, go therefore and make disciples. Sometimes I worry that we have buzzwords in our Christian community, disciple. When I was young, attending on fire, couldn't find a seat, Pentecostal holiness churches, you didn't hear the words, make disciples from what I can remember. That wasn't a buzzword with my mamaw, was not a buzzword with my uncle, who was probably the greatest picture of Jesus I've ever saw on the face of this earth, that was the one that I looked to that was my, when he entered the room, he was, he brought about the greatest conviction in my life. And he is, from what I know, the most Christ-like man that I've ever known. But it, the word disciple wasn't, it probably is today, but I cannot remember it being ingrained in my mind, being a buzzword around our home, or around the churches we attended. You know, I remember camp meetings where we'd go to church every night for seven days in a row. You may, any of you ever remember that? Boy, you got to be old. I'm telling my age. I remember after they preached, had church for three hours and bobby pins laying everywhere and, you know, ties were off, jackets were... It was no longer... You didn't have to show up in... A, you had to show up in a suit and tie, but you didn't have to finish with one on. You remember those days? Then they had a big watering trough there for livestock. It was full of ice water that your bottles of pop were in. And when you went back and got your meal, I'm talking, I went to camps with it. Uh, uh, they would have church like that every night. There'd be 500 people shoved in an open air place. Church has changed a lot over the years. That's not in my notes, but it has changed greatly. Uh, me picking my phone up to use for scriptures is weird to me. It seems wrong. I want to hold my Bible. Some things are just traditional. It's not wrong to pick your phone up. Uh, I think I'm afraid of messing things up. But the one thing what I'm getting at... Disciple was not a buzzword for me growing up. Disciple became that. I, 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 don't, I don't know if it was under Eric when Eric was the pastor here. But I know that Aaron has just... I keep waiting for the word disciple to no longer be a buzzword. I think the word gospel is a buzzword. This is just my thinking. I'm not saying I'm right. Out of all these guys I have on my podcast that I listen to preach regularly, most of them are Baptist guys, uh, just 
because I like, if you heard of anything of Acts 29, I like guys that run in that group right there. Gospel, the Gospels. They want to always draw everybody back to the Gospels, the Gospels. And I do think that's where it draws us back to in our day and age living. We have to go back. We, if you want to narrow it down, if somebody asks me when they first get saved, where do I go to read? I'll say Old Testament, go to Psalms, Proverbs, New Testament, Gospels. First four books. Because Jesus is our greatest example. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to tell you, if you're saved, you, there's days I'm thinking, man, and even today, I'll be celebrating 28 years, July 14th, 1991, that God totally brought me out of a horrible pit, a horrible pit, where long-terms and penitentiaries I should have went, and addictions that I couldn't break, but God just broke it like that. And uh, so I'll be celebrating 28 years. But I, 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 there's days I think in my mind, you know, I don't know about you, but my battle's in my mind. It's nowhere else in my mind. I can, I can, I can pull up the podcast. I can pull up audio Bible. I can pray on my way to and from to work. I can do the march through the right things that make me on the outside look like I'm a Christian and I feel like I'm checking off all those little marks, but the battle gets in my mind and there's days I think this Christian living is not easy and sometimes I think it's crazy. There's no way eternity's right. There's no way what I read about heaven is real and that the, the, that the end times is laid out the way it is. There's just no way. But then I'm, I go back, me, to July 14th, 1991 on a Sunday night. If somebody wants to ask me, how do you know that you're saved? How do you know that Jesus and the Bible is real? I'll say, well, I, 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 we, it'd take a long time for us to pull up some facts that I've got in some books about how historically we can say this is historically correct. But I'm going to tell you the best way I know. Because when this sinner cried out to the Lord, I tried everything else. I tried AA. All they talked about was getting drunk. I tried rehabs. It didn't work. Everybody snuck around and did you know other things. And... But when it came to Jesus and I surrendered everything, a miracle that no man on this earth can even, several people at that time could even think that is real and looking at me 28 years later thinking it's real and others here and I'm not the only one. That's how I know that it's real. I tried everything else, but this one thing worked. That dark hole that I had on the inside of me, I tried to fill it with everything else. There's only one thing that fills it. There's only one thing that we'll get a song here later. So, so I, what I'm saying is, go, let's keep it real simple. I, what I was talking about, sometimes I think Christian living to me gets difficult. I fear too many people look at me. Too many, I keep telling them at work, I'm not pointing you to me. I'm pointing you to Jesus. One guy the other day at work, I won't tell you what happened, but I said, I'm going to get you a T-shirt that says, A hey, number one iron worker or something. He's a guy at our company that I really like, and we like each other. He said, I don't know. I'm going to get you one that says troublemaker. <laughs> Me and a new boss kind of collided the other day. Not bad. Just not bad at all. Used to be fist thrown and, you know, and all that. And, and we just kind of bumped heads. Me and a new boss did. And I, I told him, I said, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll quit trying to help you. I'll stay away, and you'll find out later what I'm talking about is correct. And in a matter of a week, he found out I'm correct. So um, I told him I wasn't, no, I won't tell you that. Because you'll, <laughs> I can't already carry this stigma, I feel like, on me, you know. And I, I hate to prove it right sometimes, you know what I mean? I like to try to act like I'm real nice, you know, I'm, anyways. <laughs> So let's keep it easy is what I'm getting to you. I want to make it very easy to you. There's three things you need to know as a Christian. Our calling is to make disciples. Why? How do we know that? Jesus said, go therefore, his last words to his 12 guys, well, go therefore and make disciples. Should have been no question in their mind what to do. And when you read the book of Acts, you'll find out that's what they did. There's one thing that has, the other two things, I told you I'm going to tell you three things. These are not my three points. Our highest calling is to be, I am a disciple. I have a disciplined life. I do. I'm not perfect, but I have a disciplined life. Where I allow others to speak into it. I check myself in light of God's word. Things like that. I stay in close communication in group with other people. I'm open and honest in group. 
You see what I'm saying? I allow other men to speak into my life. I allow my wife to speak into my life. Is to be and to make a disciple. Keeping it real simple. We must make disciples, number one. How do we do it? I, think it's, I don't think it's in here. Greg mentioned it today, and I should have put it in my message. Two ways you do that. There's two ways. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body, and you love your neighbor as yourself. You do those three things. If you do those three things, you've, you've got it taken care of. And we don't do it. We don't. Do you know why that'll lead me? I don't even know if I'm in right where I'm supposed to be. I don't even know if I said the notes on my scriptures. I'm supposed to say I better flip them over and look. Toby, I'm sorry, but I'll say it and you'll throw it up. I switched it before service. And we don't do it. That's why, and I put this at the end of the message, but I'm going to put it at the beginning of the message. That's why this guy needs a God who is a friend to a sinner. Oh, I'm still a sinner. You're still a sinner. When I started to do this message, I thought, man, you know what? They're surely invariably, I will say this. I got a letter one time anonymously put on a desk back here when I worked here full time, and it's plagued me ever since. Well, I'd unforgive you if you did it. But. So it makes me scared to walk up into a pla- to speak publicly here at times. It really does. I thought, this word sinner, they're not going to like that. It's not politically correct nowadays. It's not. And I'm not political, and I, I'm, I'm not even wanting to go into any of that. But I'm using verbiage that we have in our English Bible that was used by Jesus himself. And Jesus was accused by the Pharisees and the Sadducees to be a man who was a friend of sinners. And I, I guarantee you, if I could study the Aramaic or the Greek, we would find out the word sinner was much harsh more harsh than what we would receive it today. I'm getting ahead of myself, I know it. But Our highest calling is to be and make disciples. Told you I'll follow it. Matthew 9, 9 through 13. So we make disciples. But first, but first, first, this is was a buzzword I grew up on. We got to get them saved. We got to win the lost. We must be about our Father's business. How many of you remember that? And it, it, was, it was not, I didn't grow up where it was, some get saved this way. So I got saved out of fear that my habits and my lifestyles was not going to grant me another hour. I'd be coming to about right now in some strange place. I'd be waking up, before, this is before 28 years ago, I'd be, wake, I'd be coming to, I didn't say wake, I started to say wake up, I'd be coming to, that means alcohol and drugs was wearing off, and my body was saying get up and do something about it, because I would start seeing little green guys crawling all over the wall, and I would start screaming and crying because they were crawling on me and I couldn't get them off, and I'd jump in a shower, I'd have my friend drag me there and put me there. To wash them off and drown them until I could get another drink or another pill or another fix. But when I met Jesus, now we won't always reach out to people like that. I tell you what, what, what pushed me into this was the fact that the other night at the house, as rough as I could, and it's been years since I have taken uh, an end-time study class or anything like that. The boys had a couple questions about how God has life laid out for us in the coming days. And just real, real, as rough as I could, you know, I went on to explain. I said, well, uh, I think one of my sons, his teacher, said she didn't believe in mid, mid-tribulation rapture. We catching away or when Christ calls those of us home. I grew up believing it's pre-trib. Before anything bad breaks out, we'll be up out of here. We'll be caught away. We won't use the word rapture because the Bible don't. But we'll be caught away and we'll rise and go to meet Jesus. I said, you know, so... But I sometimes when I read in Scripture, I kind of believe we're going to be mid-tribs. We're going to be three and a half years into it before all hell really breaks loose and God, we're going to hear a trumpet one day and we're going to see him and we're going to rise and we're going to go to be with him. 
And after that three and a half years, there's three and a half more years. It's really bad. And God said he'll never destroy the earth with water again. But he'll this is what I told him. He'll destroy it with fire again. He'll destroy it with fire, not again, but he'll destroy it with fire. The earth will be destroyed through wars, famine, pestilence, just all kind of craziness. And then there'll be an antichrist, there'll be a false prophet, and they'll deceive everybody. Will people be getting saved? Yeah, they still could because we preach the gospel to them. And they can say, wow, you know what so-and-so told me was real. I've got to turn to Jesus now. Look at all this mess. But then, then, then we'll be up there and... So some pre-tribbers believe that seven-year marriage supper of the Lamb, if you've ever heard of that, is going to be during the seven years tribulation. We're not going to get caught up in that. Don't, don't come and talk to me about this afterwards. I'm not an expert. I'm a pan-trib if you want to know the truth. I just believe trust Jesus and it all panned out in the end. I don't care if you go through a little bit or if you go a whole, through a whole heck of a lot. You understand? Song, one song we sung today talked about, if we just hold on to him, he'll always love us and take care of us. So that's, that's the way it is. But I said at the end of that seven years, maybe we've been up there feasting for seven years. Hopefully we're pre-tribs and we're out of here. So at the end of that seven years, marriage, supper, the land, we're going to eat for seven years. You believe that? By the river of the life, Jesus is the son, never be a night. Hard to believe that. It's kind of crazy if you think about it, but that's what the Bible tells me. And if the Bible was good enough to save a sinner like me and, and give me a new life, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. That's what happened to me. If you're a Christian, if you say you're a Christian, you look like you did before you said you come to Christ, I don't think you realized you were a sinner. I don't think you realized that you needed a Savior. I think you eased into a little social club here and you show up to church because it's the right thing to do. My boyfriend wants me to or my girlfriend wants me to or it helps me along my way. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be servants, servants of God. He is our Lord. He is our master. And we give our lives to him to make disciples. How do we do it? We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and body. And we love our neighbors as ourselves. But I said at the end of that seven years... God's going, Jesus is going to get tired of it, and that's when he gets on his white horse. He gets his army ready. He comes back, and he puts a stop to all of it. And he binds Satan. It says he, he binds him. So he can, he can no longer have rule or reign over this earth. And then we have a, what we call a thousand-year millennial reign. We're going to show him what it's like to rule the earth. Some of you believe in other worlds out there. Maybe we'll find out then. I don't know. You know. Uh, uh, thousand years, and we're going to rebuild, rebuild this world. Show them what it's like to be run under a godly way. And then at the end of that thousand years, Satan's going to be loosed. Then it, this is your time. It's going to be white or black after this. You're going to accept God. You're going to accept his payment for our sin, Jesus, or you're going to go with Satan. And they put an end to it, and they said that, um, that Satan will be cast into an eternal lake of fire. I don't know what they, all, all the terms they use. There's like five, six different terms, but then it'll be over. And God passes out judgments and all that stuff. So uh, I, I, what, what made me think of that, I thought, man, have I really? Have I really? Shared the good news. Whether it's a buzzword or not, the Gospels are the Gospels. It's in our Bible. Whether we use it as a buzzword in our church, what, in, in our church circles or whatever, it's the telling of the good news. I wouldn't be here today if there were not Christian men who barely knew me that became my friend. That as I was sick and addicted, that they visited me. Men, men I barely knew because my mom attended a church with men who loved sinners and wanted them saved. I'll never forget these guys, older guys, that didn't make me ride in the back of a truck going deer hunting and first invited me to, I'm getting ahead of myself, but... Maybe all, maybe all you need today. Maybe all I need. But men who loved sinners weren't afraid to be around them. Matthew 9, 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, so I was thinking of sinners. 
thinking about end times being laid out and how do we know, and it could be a mystery. It's not so much a mystery. We know of it in the Gospels, especially in Revelations, and it says we're blessed if we read it. So it kind of sparked something, one of the gifts that I believe God's given me is evangelism, and it's something I love and I live for. You couldn't, if I first meet you and I think you're not saved and you talk about cupcakes, I'll bring it back around. I'll bring it back around to the seven-year marriage supper of the Lamb. That that hostess will never match the manna that we'll eat for seven years. Do you hear me? Oh, you ain't heard of that? You don't want to miss a seven-year supper, do you? What you talking about? Yeah, my dad's got a seven-year supper laid up that's just, man, and he owns it all. He's got a spread that's just, I can't even explain. I want you to be there. It's like a gift I have, and I love it, man. As Jesus, so I came to this because I'm thinking, have I told my friends at work, do I get too caught up or sidetracked by the junk they talk about that I can't stand? Do I forget to turn it around to the message of the gospel? And I'm telling you, since I've been asked to preach, and since that conversation with my boys that night, do you remember having that conversation, Samuel? Yes, he does. Good. Thank God. Good kid right there. Good young man right there. It has made me wake up. To wake up. What's important? Three things are important to make disciples. To love God. To love my neighbors. But to make a disciple, you have to get them saved. You have to. And the only way they're going to do it... Let me ask you this. How many of you got saved because you... Bought one of these, had one of these, you picked it up and read it, and you came to Jesus because just reading the Bible. How many of you? Uh-oh. How many of you came to Jesus, got saved, whatever, however we want to put it, experienced new life in Christ is what we should say, because of someone else? If this burned on the inside of us, we'd have standing room only. I told somebody the day, other day, shame on me. I'm just not hungry enough. I haven't pushed back from the table enough. I haven't taken my checkbook. When I go about, my, my wife does it, but I should be more involved. I haven't thought financially enough about it. I haven't taken my calendar and filled it up enough. Shame on me. I don't want to be raptured up out of here just for me. I got a lot of friends and a lot of family. And I've seen God save my whole family. I watched my mom came, come in. And me, my brother, and my sister who somehow has, yeah, she is very, very much in the Lord now. But as Jesus went up from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is... Not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was doing exactly what he was called to do. Are you doing exactly what we're called to do to make disciples? Matthew eleven eighteen through 19. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. This is Jesus' words. It should be in red. He was answering them about, we showed up. If you read on up in it, we showed up and played music at your wedding and you didn't dance. He's talking to the religious people. Look, I can't make... Let me go back. 
this is Jesus saying this. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds, or wisdom is proved right by her results or fruit. He's, or my people would say the proof's in the pudding, baby. Jesus is saying, look, proof's in the pudding. We've done it. And you, so what he was saying up top there, he was saying, above that, he was saying, look, we came. You're, you, I can't make you happy one way or the other, you religious people. Let me tell you, you're not going to make everyone happy with your message. You're not here to make them happy. I don't want to be happy. Happy is fleeting. It's a song that's popular today, you know. That little happy song, you know, everybody loves somebody. Christians don't, I don't care about being happy. It don't last. I mean, it really don't. It sounds kind of wishy-washy. It's not manly to me. It's just not. It's just, I want joy. Joy is abiding. It comes deep. It stays. It resides. It has, it has depth. It has fruit. You get joy from friends and family. Me, Patrick, wanting to be happy yesterday, wanted to not go to a wedding party of my niece. I just wanted to stay home. I run all the time. I didn't want to be happy. Make me happy? Leave me at home. Y'all go. Leave me alone. I'm going to sit on this porch swing, see one of my center neighbors drinking a beer or something. I'm going to try to talk to him because I've been praying for the one on the left. He's starting to wave. Prayer works. Ask my wife, is it true? His wife's speaking everything. He won't say two hoots or nothing. I feel like acting like I'm going to tackle one of the boys when he walks down the street and we're playing football and kind of accidentally give him one of them blacktop tackles, you know? You know, just kind of, uh. You're my neighbor. Can you speak? You didn't bring me a card or cookies when I moved in. What's wrong with you? He's a sinner, more than likely. He don't have those Jesus-like attributes of humility and compassion and care. Jesus himself repeated those words. Think about that. He didn't complain that he was called that. Jesus is just saying, y'all call me a friend of sinners. Have you ever been called something that you don't want to repeat to other people? Because you don't want to repeat it. You don't want them to think that too. I'm not a troublemaker. The opposite, the, how, how I would, I explained it to Johnny at work. I said, I stand up for injustice. Y'all can sit back on your hands and take it if you want to. But I'm 49, be a 50-year-old man, and I don't need to be treated like that by nobody. And it will not happen on my watch. God called me here. It's not arrogant. This is confidence. I used to have a lot of fear for years about making money and raising my family. I walked in that for years. Eric used to tell me, God signed your paycheck. I said, no, he don't. Miami Valley Masonry signs it. Eric Holderman signs it. His wife, Diane, signs it. Jesus don't sign my check. I work for them. No, you work for Jesus. I said, no, I can't believe that. I was a bricklayer laid off for three months in the summertime that had to take a credit card and pay bills with it. Took me years to get over that. Now, I'm not a troublemaker. I just stand up for injustice. You know, I'm not afraid to go to another man on a job and say, excuse me, he don't deserve to be treated like that. Don't talk to him that way. He don't deserve it. He's a man. If you love sinners, you'll not stay quiet. If we have... One of the things I put in one of my notes somewhere here, maybe I'll read it or not. You read your New Testament, read the Gospels. You find these words. Jesus being moved with compassion. Jesus being moved with compassion. Jesus seeing the crowds being moved with compassion. I love that term. I, I, I hope it's on my tombstone. Being moved with compassion. Because when you are being moved and the compassion is along with it, something great's happening. Usually in the New Testament, it was, it was a miracle that took place. It was people getting saved. It was someone getting to touch the Master. 
Luke 7, 36 through 50. We got to go on because we got some music to play here in a minute. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived in a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. A woman in the town, oh, I could just stay right here forever. I can't. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Worshippers like me love this. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman is she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had a bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. It was common in those days to do so. But she wept. But she wept my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, therefore, I tell you, her sins, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How do we respond when we have the opportunity to forgive someone of their sins? said that song second verse said I'm carrying this load that I'm not meant to bear could you imagine sharing the words of the gospel of what Jesus can do for somebody and you'd be a burden lifter I mean God will do it but he needs you he needs a vessel he needs me to be there to lift and we know that God's word brings life and it definitely this burden. So the next, my next slide would say this. After reading those verses, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Would you be accused of being a friend of sinners? Would you? Amen. I'm sitting here today right before church starts, and I got a text from a friend who was a sinner that I married a few years ago. I didn't marry him. I performed the ceremony. Fearful it wouldn't last. They did premarital counseling outside of Christ. Marriage went downhill four or five years ago. First thing he did was pick up the phone and called me. Because I told him, God put us together, not just so I can legally make you married in the state of Ohio. He put us together because your marriage will be on the rocks one day, and I'm going to be here for you. And God's going to help us through it. Well, after several conversations and trying, it just it was one-sided. He was the only one who wanted to fix it. So now uh, he's back into another relationship. Good kid, good guy, man. Good career. Doesn't need all this. He's had another girlfriend. She's lived with him for, I don't know, a year. And the same thing's happening. They didn't marry, but the same thing's happening. And he's heartbroke. But he's going on vacation. Just so happened, I found out last week, same dates that me and my family are going on vacation. And in the same area. And he has invited another friend of ours from work who's older, 60-some, about to retire. Invited him and his wife to go. He said, since me and my girlfriend broke up, I'd like for you and your wife to go with me. Let's just go. They're good friends. 30-year-old and 60-year-old. And I'll be right there. They're wanting to throw parties invite us. I said, hey, I'll be there. Kids will be there. I said, but, you know, we're going to break the Bible out and we're going to have a little conversation because God didn't put us together just to work and to share vacation. So they're all sitting there at lunch, about four of them. 
I thought, I got the stage right here. I've been praying for this. I said, you know what? Do you know that there's coming a thousand-year millennial reign and we're going to rebuild this earth? Yeah, I heard it's going to be destroyed by fire. I said, how do you know that? Well, I've heard church people talk that. I said, well, and through wars and just terribleness. So just think, we're construction guys working together, and we have a brotherhood amongst us. Just think, if we're all ready to go when our time comes. We could all share in the thousand-year millennial reign and be a construction crew rebuilding the earth. I got my platform. You understand that? And I took it. Do you take it? Do you take it? Or you just complain about Trump or who the next one is or our economy? I'll tell you this where this gets me. It's in one of my notes here. I don't know if I'll find it, but it's in one of my notes. I'll remember it. Do you take it? Do you take your opportunity? Or do you get scared and you shy away? Do we just join in with all the hellish nonsense they talk about? Or do we take our opportunities? Hey, can I tell you something? I said something a while back. I've had to do this. I said something a while back, and I know you didn't receive it well. You asked me a question. I told you I really didn't like you pointing me at the question right there in front of people. And the answer I gave you probably wasn't correct. I've, I've just thought about it, and I prayed, and I asked the Lord to show me. That was my personal opinion as a Christian. Let me tell you what God tells me. God tells me we don't know the heart of a man, especially at the point of time when he's committing suicide like you told me about. I'm just picking on him. This happened with a coworker. And you told me about the life this guy was living, and I may have sounded judgmental. Even though I didn't say it harsh, I just said it just like I'm talking to him. I said, but I'm telling you, whether we make it to what you called it the good place or not, that's between him and God. It's also between you and God. So the past week, riding in a truck, two weeks ago, riding in a truck with a real young guy, he said, so let me ask you something. We had to go work at one of the owner's houses. Had a great time, this kid. Do you think I'll make it to the good place? I said to you. He goes, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. I said, well, let me say something. You, you asked me to pray for your neighbor lady who had terminal cancer, just found out about it, and had no promise of six weeks. Correct? Yes. You said she was a great lady. You loved her. You, I mean, you cared for her. He this kid wouldn't use the word love. You were moved enough to be bold enough to come and ask me to pray for her, right? Yes. I said, I prayed for her. We asked some people in our home to pray for her. I don't even remember it being, a, it was probably a conversation we prayed for a couple times. I said, you came back to me and told me she went to the doctor. She was healed, cured. It was gone. He said, yes. I said, you called me when your dad was in the hospital, septic. They done removed like two liters of fluid off of him. And he had no, they were giving him no chance to live. And I said, you were almost in tears when you called me, and that's not like you. Right. I said, we prayed for your dad for over a week. I said, what happened? I said, your dad got up off that sick bed and was healed. He's back to work. and He doesn't look like anything had ever happened to him. Is that correct? I said, yes. I said, I prayed to God. I prayed to Yahweh God, the Hebrew God. I prayed to the God whose son was Jesus Christ and is a trinity, three in one with the Holy Spirit. I said, I prayed to him. You gave him credit. Or you, you're giving me credit, but it's him. So if that's true, what I'm taught about whether you get to the good place or not is you're not ready yet. But God didn't put us together by mistake, young man. He said, you're right. And I said, the greater message is not that we're healed in this life, but that we're ready to go when we're ready to go. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible says, unless a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. And I said, I love you like a little brother, and I want you to be ready. Wheels are turning in your head, isn't it? He goes, yes. I said, there's going to come a day where you're going to call me or you're going to break down and hit your knees and you're going to know it's right to accept Christ. All you do is ask him to forgive you of your sins. You no longer think about it. and He casts it as far as the east is from the west and you accept his son Jesus. I said, is today your day? No, not today. I'm thinking. I said, okay. 
since this message that did that to me. Maybe, maybe we all give an opportunity to preach. John 15, 11 through 15. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. You must have love. Greater love is no man than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. Steve quoted this in prayer today. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Ooh, ooh. It's not part of the message, but that's crazy to hear that. Can you say every day I do what he commands me to do? But he said, you are my friends if. Man, I'm telling you, don't get hung up on that. We're not going to get legal here. I'm not wanting to do that. But I'm telling you, when you read the Bible, there are some very things that set me off. And you know what I tell everybody in those times of question, what does that mean? Why would he say that? There's one point he told disciples, as you go out and you give forgiveness for sins, or you withhold forgiveness for sins. I don't think I have it in here, but I can give it to you by next Sunday. I read that in the Bible and I thought, what? He told them they can withhold forgiveness for sins? Ah, that, <clears throat> if I only dwelled on that, I could get really troubled, and you know, we all could. And I, here's what I tell somebody. When there's parts of the Bible you don't understand, you know why? Because he's God and you're not, and it wants to put you to your knees. To say that even though I don't understand everything, for the one things I do understand, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to trust you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Next slide uh, would be this. I, it's a note that I wrote in this Bible right here. A note I made on my own. I didn't hear it from a preacher, and I love those notes. They're very few and far between where I think of anything that the light bulb comes on in my own head. Like, wow, that was great. But it was from God, and the light came on in my head, and I wrote those right there. Friends, don't leave friends in the dark. One guy said this as I was studying some of this and reading. He said, in our obedience... I don't know his name. I didn't cite it. I'm sorry. It was in a thing I was reading about friend of sinners, but I'm telling you it's not my word. So it said, in our obedience to Christ as God, comma, Savior, and Lord, there is no place at all for the slightest degree of a chummy approach. It's more than a meal with your friends. It's more than a text. It's more than a phone call. It's this, look, we've been just chummy friends too long, and I'm sorry. I've been wrong. I've been scared to tell you the truth or I've not been living a Christian life enough to really be on fire for what I'm supposed to believe. I've been living by the way this world lives. Just going to work. Loving the fact that I've got a great house, great car. My kids are doing great. We all look good. and We've got the latest stuff. But I'm a sinful Christian. And I'm sorry. The greatest thing that I can tell you is that Jesus is the answer. Will you forgive me that that has not been something we talk about every now and then. Because you're there to lift a burden off a friend. You're not there to buy them lunch. You're not there to just be their chum at work or to hobnob around with. Those days are over. The Bible says to, be, to gather yourselves the more, even the more as you see the day approaching. The next slide say this. We must be, I said this earlier, we must be about our Father's business, seeking and saving the lost. I'm afraid that the church takes everything else serious, but they don't take this thing serious. That the, the, the next moment you see them may be their last moment, or they may not be there when you get home. I've seen it. My grandmother, two years ago, I mean, she was saved, don't get me wrong. But, but it was, it's this, for instance, first time we bring a home health care nurse in just to meet her at 92 years old, maybe what she was. She was in her 90s, sitting there, they check her vitals. She says to my mom, who's cared for for years, Hey, Fran, uh, how long has she had this thing sound in her chest where it's like she's got a cold? Mom said, a couple weeks. I've been thinking about calling the doctor. She said, go call the doctor now. Get, get an appointment scheduled. I don't like what I'm hearing. And my grandma's didn't. She, grandma said, I, I, I better, I'm going to get up and go to the bathroom. She could do it all herself. Walks by a love seat and goes, hey, I better sit down for a minute. One, two, three, four. Boom, gone. Home with Jesus. It happens to sinners. A car wreck, a surgery they don't make it out of. Are they going to the good place or the bad place? We must be about our Father's business. 
So, man, knowing that I'm a music guy, almost there's way too many scenarios in life that I'll go to work some mornings just singing that because I'm telling myself, don't get caught up in it. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. The, he is. So you heard me share that with my friends at work. What a wonderful time it is. I remember one time Eric, our, our pastor here, Eric, made us go do evangelism at Gus Macker. I was very obstinate against it. I just thought, man, I just don't agree with this. I don't agree with this walking up to somebody. But I thought, man, I'm kind of a... I did some sales when I was in college trying to make extra money. Um, I've worked in the public. I've worked at a bank. So I've worked with customers. I know how to have conversation and steer things. But my pastor told us we're going to do it. That's what we're doing in a church. And I'm going to pair you up with somebody. How many of you would sign on for that today? I'm going to tell you, when Gus Macker comes, I didn't, we was told that as a church. One guy. We was told that. I'm going to pair you up with somebody. I don't even remember if there's a sign-up sheet. I don't know. Who did he pair me up with but his own son? I thought, oh, my gosh. So I started thinking this. Oh, so he can't teach his son how to do street evangelism. I need to. Because I had kind of a kind of half-scared half bad attitude. I thought, this is just not how it's done. You make friends with people. But God does it all sorts of ways. What if he didn't engage the woman at the well? So, I got to get to five points. I'm going to get you five points. That's why we cut that song off. But he sent us to Gus Macker. I'm here with Chris, teenager. Chris VB, you know. Teenager. And we're walking around praying. I can tell Chris is uncomfortable. I can tell he's going to follow my lead. So I'm thinking, and if you know me, I don't care if it's racquetball. If I'm forced to get in there, I'm going to show you how to do it. You know, I'm just that guy. It don't matter where we're at. I'm the guy that has to lead, it seems like. So sometimes that's why I hate going anywhere. Because I'm thinking, these people are all going to sit back. I'm hanging out with these folks. They're going to sit back, and I'm going to have to take the lead. And I don't want to do anything with... Baby's clothing, you understand? But when we get there and they all look at me like a coon in headlights, I'm going to lead. So we went to Gus Macker and we're walking and praying, you know, walking and praying. Lo and behold, I've, I've learned it. Ten feet, it's eye contact. Five feet, it's, hey, how you doing? How you doing? As soon as he did that, he's done. He's on my court then. I said, hey, how you doing, man? Doing good. I said, my name's Patrick. It's my buddy Chris. He told me his name. I probably would never remember it. I said, so you, apparently you're probably playing here in Gus Macker by the way you dress? Yeah. I said, how you doing? You know, he told me everything. It goes right over my head. I'll be honest. I'm not a good listener because I'm trying to think what my next line is. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, help me. I'm with the pastor's son. I'm trying to lead music at this church. He's going to say I'm a flop, but no, I'm coming out of this thing with the, on the nines, you understand? I may not be a 10, but I'm going to be shining, and somebody's going to hear about Jesus. So I didn't know it was my gift at the time. I just thought it was very uncomfortable. We started talking. I said, good. I said, hey, man, I'm not going to lie to you. I believe in being honest with people. Me and my buddy go to church together, and we just wondered if you had anything to pray about. He just looked at me. I said, you know, is there anything we can do for you? you got, your team need water? You know, blah, blah, I can't remember exactly what I said. He just looked at me. I said, I'm not here to make you mad now. I just, just want to see if you need prayer for anything, you know. And uh, he just looked at me. I said, you're looking at me funny. Is there something deeper than what we're talking about, right? That's, I said something like that. He goes, yeah. I said, are you a Christian? I said, do you know about that? said, I knew it would happen. I said, what? He said, my family are Christians. They're always praying for me. I said, where are you from, buddy? I'm from Cincinnati. I said, ain't that wild that God would love us so much that he would send you to Chillicothe, the stinky town, to play in Gus Macker, and for you to meet a guy like this that it don't look like we'd be hanging out together because he wants to tell you that God loves you. And by the what, what you've admitted that your family prays for you, it's a real thing. God wants you to know his son Jesus as your savior. Are you ready for that today? He goes, not today, but I know. I said, can we pray with you? Bam. I walked out there going, yes, yes, yes. Now, I'd rather him got saved, you know, but uh, I, I was, it was a confirmation for me that Jesus 
Uh, that, that was one of my gifts God's called me to. So the next slide's going to be this, and they're going to pop up one at a time. I thought it's only correct because I've been a small group leader of a few different small groups. I would have people tell me, oh, I'm scared to death talking about it. I said, you know what? I'll teach you. You get behind me. We'll get in some crowds of people. We'll get in some situations. I'll teach you how to bring it on back around, you know, and... and uh, one company I worked with, get my five bucks. If I got you to sign right here, I'd get five dollars. Give you a ten by thirteen portrait that you'd show up two weeks later and have a picture taken. And you know, I had all great ways. I wish I could tell you some. So I, I thought it'd only be appropriate. It, 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 this seems a little. At first, this seemed a little goofy to me, but no, not really, because I think you need to be reminded of this, and we'll see it in scriptures. We're gonna go through it real quick. Somebody said, "Remember, it's Memorial Day. Uh, we need to get out of here quick." Oh yeah, wow. Well. Uh, it was being funny. We were being funny in our group. Right, Greg? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and we're going to see. One thing we learned, I don't know if you remember, uh, years ago, Aaron did a teaching on 11, 9 things. I don't remember, but it was by a guy named Mike Breen, if you look him up. And he uh, had symbols, and he would say we would do things like... Uh, Rest and work. You remember that? Work out. Remember all those Mike Breen things? And I made up these little cutouts, painted them pretty, uh, visuals. Well, one of the things in there was a person of peace. And it was Jesus would tell, tell uh, his disciples, as you travel, you'll find someplace you're welcomed. You go in and you welcome, you eat, and you dine, blah, blah, blah. If you're not, you brush the dust off your feet and you leave. You remember? So... In evangelism, in your friendships, in all that, you must look for a person of peace. That means you look for the opportunity of someone allow you to talk that way, like a Christian. Or like, hey, it's as simple as, I got a phone call from a guy that's up here at work, you know, above. We always say at work, we're down here, us workers and other guys are up here. It's just a goofy thing, but... Uh, he called me, or I met him face to face, and he asked me to pray for his wife. She just had a double mastectomy. And I was so thankful because he's like a year new to the company. And me and him have formed a really good relationship, and he's helped me learn some things. And it's really helped me as a, as a man to feel important at work and to learn and to use my brain. But I, I remember seeing him some days later, and I, and I mentioned to him, uh, how, asked him how his wife was doing. He was just so impressed. You know, it's, it's just that. Hey, uh, you know, you, you hear people that they have things and that you follow up with them. So number one, I, we're going to show you how Jesus did it. And I think this is a good model. And I wrote these down as fast as I could write them. I love that because you know it's your thing. And I said this the last time I preached. I, I can't wait till you find your thing, your calzone, like he talks about. Or you, or you find this niche that God's called you to and you come alive in it and God really uses you in it for the kingdom work. Uh, so this is something I love. Number one, you must be on the lookout. Matthew 9, 9 says, he saw a man named Matthew. Man, I, could, I mean, the more I did these five things, the more I looked through the Bible, the more I've seen so much of this. He saw a man, he, he saw a man named Matthew. Number one, you must be on the lookout. You got to look for it. You got to look for that person of peace, someone that's going to let you share your faith with. Too many days, I'll be honest, we don't look for it. We don't, you know. Number two, you must engage. So when we were at Gusmacker, we were looking. The 10-foot deal. 10 feet, they make eye contact. Five feet, I say hello. If you look at me long enough, I'm going to say hello. You must, I engaged him. I was on the lookout from 10 feet. I engaged at five feet. So I'm going to be teaching a course coming up. We're going to go out in the evenings and do this. And I'm going to charge $39.95 a session. Y'all be able to sign up. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I come across something on YouTube the other day. Somebody bashing televangelists. I didn't look at it. It's just like, gosh, people never shut up. Friends, friends are not social media. I didn't put this in here because I didn't want to run down through all these bunny trails. I wanted to run down through good bunny trails. Why don't you sit down? Why don't your group... Your small group sit down the next time. You and your husband sit down the next time and say, what is a friend? What is a friend? Best way to answer that is like Dave Ramsey says, do it in reverse. What would I want a friend to be to me? Then you ask yourself, who are my friends? Who are? You'll find out the other ones are just acquaintances or chum. Hello, chum. You know, chum meets you at the pub and have a beer and a 
Snickers or whatever and don't care about your eternity. You see what I'm saying? So, number two, you must engage. Number three, this probably should have been definitely put at the top, but if you watch Jesus, you must. At that time, I may only get a look from this guy from 10, and this is cold evangelism. I'm not talking about that. We're, we're talking about friends, okay? So some of you have friends that you're estranged from because of your Christian faith. Number three, you must have compassion. I told you that earlier. I said I was getting ahead of myself. Jesus being moved with compassion, you better have love. When we don't have it, our bellies are too full. Too full. My house is too nice. My cars are too nice. My schedule's too full of stuff that don't matter. It's your time, your money, your resources, folks. That's, that's just exactly. You judge those three things, you'll find out how much you love or don't love the lost. Verse 12 says this. Verse 12 in Matthew 9 says this. But those who are sick, he had compassion for sick folks. He didn't care about well folks. That's where I'm at. If I was to leave this church and go to the next church, and, and I would show up and I'd say, look, uh, we agree that everybody should be used in the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you where you can use me. I'm great in evangelism. I want to see them get saved. I want to help your groups learn to evangelize. I want to go to your groups. I want to sit down with you personally, Brandy, and, and find out your evangelism quotient. I want to find out how much you are with sinners, and I want to teach you about your own people that are not here today, how well I want to, I want to question you to see if you're doing well at that, and I want to help you be better at that. So I would tell somebody that. It's because that's where my passion lies, with passion. Calm passion with passion. Like Aaron's been preaching for a while. If you don't have passion for it, give it up. Walk away from it. That's serious. I walked away from 20-some years of music. I didn't walk away. It took me a couple years to work away from that. It was hard. It hurt like H-E double hockey sticks, you understand? But I knew it was best. I knew it was right. I knew God called me to it. Now, to get me back to it is very hard. Because I'm like con passion. You know con? Like No. Not don't have any. It's just it's just this thing I have in my head. Number four, all for the truth. And I don't like this. I wouldn't say I don't like it. I've probably been accused of not being this guy. All for the truth in love. I just figured just give him the message. You know what? Let some. You know why? I'm not a disciple guy. I'm not a real good disciple guy. Greg gets saved. We hang out. We're buddies. We do a bunch of stuff together. We're not just going to sit and look at each other and talk over tea, man. I can't hardly do that. we got to be doing something. You know what I mean? And me and Greg hang out. He just got saved, new brother in Christ. I won't be around him. Once I find out he's got some real funk, and I'm like, man, I need to tell him that stuff's wrong. I'm not real well with that. I'm just like, he just, if I tell him to give it up, he needs to give it up. If I show him in Scripture that it's there, he needs to give it there. I mean, let other people, you know, and it's not that I'm wrong, and it's not that he's wrong. It's just not my place. It's kind of, you know, my gift is is apostleship and evangelism. I'm not bragging on myself today. Let me tell you, when I say things like that, here's what I want for you. I want you to find that for yourself in the body of Christ. We won't have empty spaces of people needing to do something in the church. We won't have empty pews. We will not, I guarantee you. All for the truth and love. Ephesians 4.15 says truth and love. Number five, stay close. Here's where your discipleship comes in. Stay close. I get convicted that I didn't stay close. Because of his funk. But then it realized me to tell him, and I've done this several times. Caught made a phone call or see somebody. Sorry, bro, I ain't stayed close. You forgive me. I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I'm wrong. Let me tell you what's funky in my life. I've had to do it. I don't love my wife like I should. I'm in a season where I don't. I'm jealous of my kids. All our free time is devoted to them. Good stuff happens in. And you guys with muscles and that are tough, you can do that too. It's all right. Feel squishy at times. Because the Holy Spirit gets in the middle of that when things get real. And because Jesus did it, what stay close. Matthew 28, 20. I am with you always, even until the end. Jesus said, I gotta go. Jesus said, I gotta go. He told the disciples, I gotta go, but I'm gonna leave something better than this. 
and it's the Holy Spirit. And folks, in our relationships with those outside of the faith, there's nothing more powerful that you'll ever find than trusting the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. Trust Him. He will make you open up to be real, to be raw, and He will help you to abide. One more song we're going to play, and then Greg's going to give you some announcements. Thank you very much. May God bless you. May He cause His face to shine upon you. May when you get out around people of this world, may you be like Jesus is my prayer, that they want to invite you to dinner because they see something different. May they see the fact that you're loving on people that are unlovable. And may it be attractive to them that they can't get away from what you got. And it'll be just as easy as hot butter off a toast for you to share the love of Christ with someone who's outside of fellowship. Amen. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.